we can fill up our lives with so much stuff that we neglect the one necessary thing. Elizabeth George wrote this, the choices we make are key to the priorities we practice. Mm. If you want to know what you'll be like in the future, just look at the choices you're making today. Mm. I don't just need to feel better. I need the truth. And ultimately, that will make me better. I just want to make it as simple as possible for ladies to see that the Bible is really applicable to their everyday life. When they understand theology, the application flows out of it quickly with joy. It is a journey, but even the journey itself is joyful when I'm doing it, holding the hand of my Savior and trusting Him all along the way. This is the Joyful Journey Podcast, a podcast to inspire and equip women to passionately pursue beautiful biblical truth on their journey as women of God. When you choose truth, you're choosing joy. Welcome back. This is Janet here once again with my trusty co-host, Jocelyn. Hi, friends. I do want to just mention to you that at the end, we have our scripture memory passage for the third quarter. I hope many of you are still doing that with us. That's been fun. And we'll discuss it at the end. So listen for it. But today, we're going to talk about how we can determine what I'm calling our best yes. How do we make priority decisions at a practical level? We all have plenty of options for how we're going to spend our time and energies and, and our money, of yep. course. And what a privilege and honor that God allows us to partner in the things that matter. But we can't do it all. That's true. So, Jocelyn, what do you see as some indicators that we don't know how to do this very well? Well, for some of us, we forget that we have limitations. God gave them to us. And we're always sure we can do one more thing. Ouch. I know. Talking to the choir right now. For some of us, we're paralyzed by all the options, and so we don't say yes to anything. Yeah. Two ditches of one extreme. And I wish I could say I'm only one. I can tell you times I've been both. Yeah. So what do we do? Well, theoretically, we major on the majors. We're supposed to do what's important and not just what's urgent. Great. So what does that even mean on a daily yeah. basis? What are those most important things, and how do I know what my priorities should be and how to live them out? Good question. Our goal is to develop God-honoring priorities. And since we're believers, we don't get to make up our own priorities. Mm. We need to take our thinking and bring it in line with Scripture. Remember 2 Corinthians 10.5 that tells us to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So we're going to look at a couple of different areas. God's goal or purpose for us, a couple different ways to say that. And then based on those, what are his priorities? We really need to know his goal or purpose before we can start living that out in his priorities. And then we're going to talk about some practical ways to do that. So first, what is God's goal or purpose for our lives? When we understand this, it makes living according to those priorities a lot easier. And we go back to that a lot. Mm -hmm. And we do that on purpose. Mm -hmm. And we've actually done two episodes on this concept, the dangers of living without a purpose, which aired in January of 22. and the creation mandate, which was right near the beginning in January of 21. I would encourage you to go back to those to learn more about it. But Jocelyn, I know you love this concept. I do. Can you give us just a short recap of what is God's goal for us? Well, ultimately, God's goal for us is that we would live to honor him, that we would live to please him, that we would live to glorify him, and that we would seek after his kingdom and his righteousness, just like Matthew 6, 33 says. Yeah. 
that we would live in a way where we do all of our work for his glory. Ultimately, that will be what draws attention to his majesty. Excellent. Excellent. So you'll hear a lot more about that if you go to those episodes. At least on a theoretical level, I'm pretty sure we're all in agreement. I don't think Jocelyn just said anything and you're thinking, I don't know if that's very important. (laughs) I actually, though, think it will help us if we think that way. Because naturally, I think we frequently make our goals something else. I don't want to disappoint someone. Yeah. I need to show other people how important I am. I'm going to do that because I really enjoy it. It doesn't really matter how it impacts my other priorities. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm actually talking about idolatry. What am I worshiping? What am I living for other than God and what Jocelyn just said, bringing him glory? I'm not going to go into teaching on that subject right here, but I don't know how else to say to you. It is imperative that you know what you tend to worship that isn't God. Yeah. Or you're going to be trapped by it. And when it comes to making priority decisions, it will inform how you make a decision, I promise you. If you can't easily communicate to somebody else or to yourself what you tend to worship that's not God, I'm going to encourage you to look at some resources that we're going to have in the show notes. My husband's got some videos called The Heart of Change, free videos online. Stuart Scott's got a book called From Pride to Humility. Mm, I love that book. Yes. Brad Bigney's got a book called Gospel Treason. You need to know that about Mm -hmm. your own heart. Because otherwise, you will deceive yourself and you won't make any progress in your priorities. Because our goal, our purpose has to be that we represent God and his values. So what would that look like? Jocelyn, can you read Romans 8.29 and tell us how you think that relates to our purpose? Sure. Romans 8.29 says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son. Well, I mean, that's the point of the gospel. I was saved from my sin so that I could be returned to my purpose, which is imaging God accurately. And I do that by bearing the image of Jesus Christ. So I can grow at pleasing God by being more like Christ, no matter what situation in life I'm in. Yes. That's super hopeful. It doesn't mean that it's always easy, but we know now that our goal is to please God and God alone. And we also know that his goal for us is to conform us to the image of Jesus, his son. Yes, who pleased him perfectly. Right. Excellent. And who bears his image absolutely perfectly. Excellent. So we know what his purpose is Mm -hmm. and we know who it looks like. Right. So how do we start to achieve that? What are God's priorities for us? Well, first of all, the Bible doesn't ever say the word priority. But if we just look at a Webster's definition... What's a priority? It's something that comes first or among the first in importance. So, okay, what in scripture should come first or be of utmost importance? Mm. Well, I would hope we would all say God. Yeah. So God himself has got to be our first priority. You're going to see in your show notes, I actually, when I teach this, I do it through a bullseye diagram. And I've got that in your notes. If you want to look at that and pull it up, that's fine. But in the middle of the bullseye would be God himself. We need to be developing our relationship with God and putting ourselves in a position where we can be growing to be more like him. That's going to make mean looking more like Christ. That's the whole point of the goal of our life, pursuing mm-hmm. God. I love how the Puritans talk about it. They talk about being addicted to God. That's so helpful. Yeah. I mean, think about that, Jocelyn. What will an addict do to get his next fix? Well, 
they would do anything. They would drive all night. They would go without sleeping or eating. Like their entire life would be oriented around their thing that they needed. They think about it all day long, make gigantic, elaborate plans. Yes. And think about that. That's the kind of passion and focus we need to have toward God. And I contrast that with how many of us say, I'm just too busy. I haven't had time yeah, for God. Yeah, it's like super eye-opening, isn't it? Like, do I think of myself as addicted to God or like tucking him into my available corner? When I have time. Right. Absolutely. And then think about some of these verses that just reinforce that point. Jocelyn, can you read Psalm 42.1? Absolutely. I love this verse. Psalm 42.1 says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Wow. And if you're like me, I think that's just not always what my soul's panting after. But it's so beautiful, though, to think of that. Think of it like that. It is. And then when I realize that really is what my soul is panting Mm -hmm. after, I just don't realize it. And so I'm giving it inferior things. Good. How about Mark 1230? Mark 1230 says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And then Matthew 6.33. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Hopefully we're recognizing our first first priority has to be God. And putting him first doesn't mean when I'm done with God, (laughs) I move on to the other things. God obviously permeates all of our priorities. And on your diagram, I would make an arrow Mm -hmm. out. Yes. We could have just skipped this one and said, it's all about God. Yeah, everything is about God. But I think it's helpful that we do have to think, my number one priority decision has got to be God, and I should not take on any other responsibility if it hinders keeping God first in my life. So on a practical level, what would it look like to make God the first priority in my life? Well, if my life or my schedule is so full that I don't have time Mm. to be alone with Jesus, I'm too busy. Yeah. God is going to be involved in all of it, but he's also the first priority. Second, if I'm married, I believe biblically, and I'm going to give you some verses, but we don't have time to teach through all of this because we want to get to the practical. So be a Berean and look at these verses. If we're married, our second priority is our husband. Mm -hmm. He is our first ministry and our first human relationship. That's so important to remember. Yes. Titus 2, 4 and 5 gives us that emphasis on the husband and then the family, that that's what older women are to command Mm. and teach to the younger women. They are to teach them and train them to love their husbands and children. That was helpful for me to learn that when I was a young wife. Like, that's okay that it doesn't come naturally. Yes. Someone someone should have to teach me how to love my husband, and that's okay. And that certainly shouldn't surprise you because we're told to teach it. Right. So clearly, we should expect that we need to be taught that. Yeah. It's not that a younger woman is going to be fulfilled with accomplishments focused on herself. Mm -hmm. And yet that's the natural thinking. How do I be a wife and mom and also feel fulfilled? Completely self-actualized first so that I can love my husband. Yes. That is deceitful. Mm -hmm. It's not going to satisfy. Ultimately, as a wife, it's our privilege to make our first priority helping our husbands give a good account. Even if your husband doesn't know Jesus yet, the first step in helping him give a good account is helping him come to know Jesus. Mm -hmm. So my first earthly priority is going to be to act in a way that would promote the gospel in his life. 1 Peter 3 tells us that. So God, our husbands if we're married, our family, which would be 
our immediate family, that would be our children if we have them, mm-hmm. and our parents. God yeah. gives us a special responsibility to our parents and our children. Yeah. Jocelyn, can you read Deuteronomy 6, 6, and 7? These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Yeah, so we're commanded to be teaching our children at all times. Ephesians 6, 4 tells fathers to bring up their children. Mm -hmm. And since our first ministry is to help our husband, that's part of what we're going to be doing. Mm -hmm. And we have a special responsibility to our parents. Jocelyn, can you read 1 Timothy 5, verses 4 and 8? But if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God. But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. Wow. So whether or not you're married, God still commands you to honor your father and mother. Mm -hmm. If you have older parents who need help to be cared for, it means ensuring that they are cared for. It might mean ensuring they're in a place where they can be well cared for. It might mean bringing them to you when it's feasible. It's going to look different. Yeah. I'm not here to tell each you situation. what it looks like. Yeah, each situation will be different. But that we do have an obligation right. there. Our next obligation is to believers. Jocelyn, read Galatians 6.10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Yes, yeah, so we are to do good to everyone, but we have a special responsibility to those who are of the household mm-hmm. of faith. So yes. I have a responsibility to unbelievers as well, but I believe the scripture are clear. It's especially Mm -hmm. the household of faith. So one way in particular that we do this is by serving in our local churches. Find a ministry that you have a passion for that uses your gifting and then serve wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. That is part of our priority. Mm -hmm. And then, yes, last and certainly not least, we do have the priority of unbelievers. That doesn't mean it's not important. It absolutely is. But I do believe it helps us to have a biblical balance. And quite frankly, the platform for my evangelism to unbelievers is a life built on biblical priorities. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So my relationship with the lost is going to have a stronger impact when they see me living a life on biblical priorities. consistent with scripture, right. It wouldn't please God for me to be out evangelizing my neighborhood while my children and husband (laughs) are at home fending for themselves. My home is not managed well and it's chaos. Yeah, like... Doesn't the Bible teach us about that? We should be living differently. Right. And that is part of my evangelism. So if we look at our priorities, God, husband, family, believers and unbelievers, is there anything you notice about all of those priorities? Well, it's not at all about tasks. It's completely about relationship. Like there's no job listed there. There's no skills listed there. It's all about relationships with other people. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Now, obviously, there are tasks, but right. all of the tasks are supposed to be with the purpose of relationship. Exactly. Which I love. Life is about relationships. And then our priorities and roles are to revolve around that. But where do we actually spend most of our time and energy? Usually, we're focused on what we have to get done. Right. Right. So we can fill up our lives with so much stuff that we neglect the one necessary thing. Elizabeth George wrote this. The choices we make are key to the priorities we practice. Mm. If you want to know what you'll be like in the future, just look at the choices you're making today. Mm, That's helpful. Yeah. So it brings us back to our top priorities, God, to be God. 
What I have to be asking is, what can I do today, this week, to live out my priorities Mm. that would show that God is first in my life and that all of my priorities flow from that? Mm. And that's going to be intentional. We don't slide into that. Yeah, you don't accidentally choose the right priorities. No. So with that in mind, I have a list of questions. I'm not going to say all of them. They're going to be in a document because I hope right now listeners are going, I see that. How will I know if I'm mm-hmm. doing that? Yeah. What can I be doing to ask myself questions? So I would encourage you to, on a personal level, take out a sheet of paper once a week, fold it in half, and on one side, write down your priorities, mm. God, husband, children, believers, unbelievers. And on the other half, write down what are practical things you're going to do. That's a great that idea. That will show that in your life. So when you're setting your priorities, start with God and ask yourself these questions. I'm going to just say one or two but I want you to list through them. That might help you. We'll have that attached as well. But listen to this quote from a Puritan prayer. My sin is not so much this or that particular evil, but my continual separation, disunion, distance from thee, and having a loose spirit towards thee. That is powerful. Yeah. So do I have a plan for developing in my love for God? And then I have a list of questions that can help you Mm -hmm. with that. Jocelyn, if we're trying to think about how to prioritize our husbands, what are some things we could think about there? Well, I would ask questions like, do I have a plan for developing my love for him? Like, how do I grow my love? Am I putting my ministry to him above all of my other ministries? Which is a great question because that is easy to get out of whack. Have I asked him what's important to him and what he would like me to be doing more or less of? Yeah. And I love that because I think sometimes we're like, I think I'm doing it. Ask him. Yeah. And it's so helpful if I think after my relationship with God, my relationship with my husband is my primary human relationship. And that does really affect the decisions that I make every single day and throughout the day. Right. And it should. Yes. So regardless whether I'm married or not, my next category, my children, if I have them, and my parents. Mm -hmm. So am I teaching and training my children? Am I being proactive? Mm. Meaning I have a plan. I'm not just waiting for disobedience and then trying to figure out what Mm -hmm. to do. Am I thinking ahead? Do I know what character qualities or behaviors I'm specifically working on with my children? Do I know their weaknesses? How about my parents? Do my parents have needs that I should be meeting? Mm. Do I know that? Yeah. So the next priority is our relationship with other believers. So I could be asking myself, how am I encouraging other believers? Or who specifically am I mentoring or discipling? How am I contributing to building up the body of Christ? And where specifically am I serving? What is my ministry? Excellent. With that in place, then I start asking, what about the unbelievers around me? Mm. What unbelievers around me have some needs? Who am I befriending? How am I letting my light shine? Mm. Is my life giving others a good opinion of God? Recognize as you work through this, higher priorities take precedence. And at certain seasons of life, though, priorities are going to get moved around. Yeah, that was really helpful for me to learn that. Like, what is a priority now is not necessarily going to be a priority in 20 years, but it is a priority now. Right. And I can't lose this opportunity. When my kids were younger, the priority of parenting was very different than it is now Mm -hmm. that I have adult children. Right. And the truth is we're involved in all of these areas at the same time. Yeah, it's not like you can divvy them up. Right. So I don't really say it's two o'clock. Now I move on to (laughs) believers in the church. It's four o'clock. I can talk to an unbeliever. But it certainly does inform how you schedule the practical 
events of your day. Yes. It's just not going to be one-to-one like right. that. Because I should be thinking, do my children get whatever time is left over? And no. sometimes I have to say, are my children taking a higher priority than my husband right now? Because my husband is supposed to be the higher priority. And it's easy for me to just switch that around and be like, oh, well, the kids need me. Right. He's an adult. Right. He can right. care for himself. Good. The Joyful Journey Scripture Memory Challenge. Here's how it's going to work. Each quarter, Janet and I will select a passage of scripture that we want to memorize together. And on the first episode of each quarter, we'll announce what the passage will be and give you all a chance to start working. Then at the end of the quarter, Janet and I will record and post a video ourselves, quoting the scripture memory challenge for our team to share to our socials page. We're not going to ask you to do anything we aren't going to take on ourselves. And we promise we don't even have one of those fancy teleprompters that would help us cheat. Here's what we want from you listeners. We want you to join us quoting this passage from memory each quarter. Why? Well, first and foremost, because it's scripture. Psalm 119.11 says, Your word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And we want to provide a fun way for us and our listeners to grow in hiding God's word in our hearts. But also, just to give this a fun little competitive twist, each quarter, if you complete the Joyful Journey Scripture Memory Challenge, you'll be entered to win a biblical resource or book as a prize for completing the challenge. At the end of the year, anyone who has completed three out of the four quarterly challenges will then be entered to win a mega Joyful Journey prize, probably a big boatload of books, resources, and maybe even some Joyful Journey merch. Ready to dive in with us? Here's how to participate. First of all, keep an eye on our socials pages and listen to our first episode each quarter to hear what passage the scripture memory challenge will be. Then get memorizing. Second, By the last day of the quarter, video yourself quoting the passage from memory and send it to us. You can do this one of two ways. Post your video to your Facebook page, Instagram feed, or stories, tagging our podcast page at Joyful Journey Pod to make sure we see it. Or you can email us your video at joyfuljourneyquestions at outlook.com. Our team would love to share these submissions on our Facebook and Instagram pages. So if you do submit your challenge video to us over email, Please specify if you don't want your video shared publicly. And of course, we can just keep it private, just between you and our team. We'd love to see these challenge videos pour in from our listeners as we treasure the Word of God together in this way. For an extra fun twist, if you're okay with sharing a video of your kids participating, we'd love to see that too. We're hoping this will be a blessing and an encouragement not only to us, but to all of you as you see and hear each other hiding the precious words of Scripture in your hearts and minds this year. And how could this framework, just in general, assist you in determining whether you should take on something more? Yeah, that's a good question. I think if I thought about this framework, it would help me to say the right yes and not say yes to something on a lower priority while at the same time neglecting something on a higher priority. So if I'm not already taking care of my relationship with my husband, why would I be looking at new ministry opportunities? If I'm not taking care of my kids, why would I be doing new evangelism opportunities? Like, I have priorities. Jesus is my first priority, and everything filters after that. And it helps me to say, which is the best one to say yes to? Excellent. Because it might be, oh, I would love to do that. But if I know doing that means all of my higher priorities are going to be hindered, can we just say, I don't believe God is honored by that? No. Yeah. So we'll talk about some specifics in a minute, but just a couple of more general principles that will help you. 
Have you ever made this statement or at least thought it? There just isn't enough time to do all the things I need to do. Well, let's listen to Ecclesiastes 3.1 with that in mind. There's an occasion for everything and a time for every activity under heaven. So apparently there is a time for all the activities that there are under heaven. It's not God who overloads my schedule. It's me. I believe you always have enough time to do what God wants you to Mm. do. The challenge is having the wisdom to do only the things he wants me to do, Mm. not all of the things I could do. Because the list is limitless. Yes. We can always add more stuff. And things I want to do. Yeah. Yes. So I do have to get out of my head. I'm just doing all that God wants me to do and it's too much. Mm -hmm. I have to realize if my schedule is overloaded, I did that. Yeah. Also, there are opportunities that are related to a higher priority and they should always take precedence. We've mentioned that. I'm going to just say that's a general principle. Before accepting a ministry opportunity, we should evaluate our current priorities, where we're currently serving. I have to ensure that taking this on doesn't hinder a higher priority. That's such an important thing to remember because sometimes we're presented with new opportunities and the old opportunities no longer seem as tantalizing. They're not as fun. No. And it's easy to say, oh, it doesn't matter if I'm not faithful. Well, when you make a commitment to something, you shouldn't take a new thing that will take you from that old commitment. That's right. Let your yes be yes. Right. Yes. So for me, managing my home, especially when my kids were younger, is a large part of my ministry to my husband and children. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't take on ministries outside of my home if it means I can't manage my home well. But it also means for me, like, Managing my home means it's important to actually clean my house. Like, that's a good way of serving my family. Like, they like walking into a clean house. So I can't be like, oh, I was too busy serving the Lord. The house is not clean. Right. Like, it never, I never got around to it. That's right. So it doesn't mean if my floors don't get mopped one week mm-hmm. because I was ministering somewhere else, God is displeased. No, because emergencies happen. Right. You know? Sometimes it, a crisis takes place. It does mean that I take into account my home responsibilities Mm -hmm. and I talk to my husband about what he needs from me at home before I take on more. Exactly. It's actually encouraged me to get very efficient with Mm -hmm. my home management so that I actually could do other things. Yeah. Yeah. If we get it done, then we fill our time with lots more exciting things. Another general principle, focus on areas where you are uniquely designed or positioned to serve. Mm. I have found this one really focusing and narrowing Mm -hmm. for me. For instance, I'm the only one who can be Brent's wife. That was really helpful when I realized that about my responsibilities to my family. Like, I am literally the only one that can ever be Brian's wife. I'm his wife right now. I'm the literally his wife. Yes. I am the children's mother. There's yes. no one else who should be doing the mothering responsibilities. Right. And that's important. I'm Josh and Karis's mom. I'm Brent's wife. So any responsibilities that I have in those categories, I shouldn't be waiting for somebody else to do it. Exactly. There is no one else that's going to do it. Now, take that and broaden it, and I start looking at just where I have either been uniquely designed or just uniquely Mm -hmm. positioned. So for me, I'm uniquely positioned to serve seminary wives. Right. Because my husband's the president of the seminary, and I have a window into their life that not everybody has. Very few other people will. So that needs to be a higher priority Mm -hmm. to me because not everyone has that position. Mm -hmm. But I'm not the only one who can lead a Bible study well. So even though I love, love, 
leading small group Bible studies, Mm -hmm. it's a lower priority than ministering in a place where I'm more uniquely positioned to serve. I think that general principle is really helpful, especially as you're presented with a lot of really great opportunities. You can say of these four great opportunities, which one is something that I might be able to do that nobody else could. Right, or less people. Yeah, what makes me a better fit for this one? And that frees me up to be able to say, I'm excited for your ministry, but I'm not the best person to meet that need. Yes. And that brings me to another big principle. Need also takes precedence. Mm. And I'm now going to contradict something I just said, which (laughs) is how we have to be thinking with priorities. I am not uniquely positioned to serve in the nursery. Mm. But I can remember the year that I said, where do you need me to serve at VBS? Thinking. I serve adults. I teach. I'm good at reaching out to moms and building connections and sharing the gospel. And they said, I would like you to run the nursery. What? (laughs) I was like, where else? (laughs) But you know what? That was the biggest need they had. That was the need, yeah. They had greeters. They had Bible study teachers. They had room leaders. They didn't have anyone to lead. And they knew that you had leadership capacity and you could do the thing that needed done. So I could either say that's not what I'm best designed for, Mm -hmm. or I could say that's the need. I'm sorry. I'm not uniquely positioned to run a nursery. Yes. (laughs) And I ran nursery and it was actually pretty cool because I got to meet a lot of moms. So it doesn't mean I can only serve in certain giftings, Mm -hmm. but it does mean I look at where I'm uniquely gifted and then I factor in where is the greatest need. And you know how I find that out? I ask my pastor. Mm -hmm. These are my gifts and abilities, but where do you need me? Mm-hmm. What a great thing to do for your pastor. So if you think about the story of the Good Samaritan, they defined the neighbor was the one who had a need. Mm-hmm. And the person that was lauded was the one who was willing to meet the need. Mm-hmm. So I would say when I do my bullseye, I always intersect it with a line called need. Mm-hmm. So while we do look at the hierarchy of the priorities listed, we do also take into account who has the greatest need. There's somebody bleeding on the side of the road, and I don't say, it's the time I homeschool my children. Right. I call the cops, and I get out there and do what I can. Right. So need does take precedence. Practically, there have been a couple of times where I've had to go help take care of my parents, which meant that I couldn't homeschool my kids for a week, like, because the need was there. Like, someone had hurt themselves, and they needed someone to care for them. So the need always will take precedence, because the need won't be there in a week. Right. And what a gift to your children to show them that. Yeah. Like that was actually good parenting Mm -hmm. as well to show them that. So at times I'm going to sacrifice time with my family to help a church or community member Mm -hmm. going through a crisis. And at times I'm going to serve outside of my unique gifting because there's a need. Mm -hmm. However, the last principle, need does not necessitate a call. Mm. And I think that's really important. Jocelyn, to that point, can you read for us Mark 1, 35 to 39? Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you! Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So think about what just happened here. Christ has been in Capernaum preaching all that day, healing the sick, driving out demons. News about him spread quickly over all of Galilee. Many people, in fact, the whole town, it says, came to him to be healed. He's up late into the night ministering to others. 
And then the next day, they say to him, hey, everybody's looking for you. Well, was there a need left in that town? Yes. Yeah, it was still there. Obviously, yeah. Would it have been a good decision for him to stay there and help those in need? Sure, it wouldn't have been bad. Right. And so how fascinating when they say, everyone's looking for you, and Jesus says, let's go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. What? He doesn't say, oh, really? Who needs me? Mm -hmm. He says, let's go somewhere else. Well, it was after a night of praying, spending time with his father, and he didn't forget his number one priority. Mm -hmm. He knew his purpose. He knew what he needed to do to fulfill God's goal and purpose for his life. So after spending time alone with God, Christ was able to make the best decision, Mm -hmm. which was to leave that town and go to another place. Because he knew, if I heal everyone in this town... The message still won't have gone out. Right. People would just be better. They'll be healthier till they die and Mm -hmm. don't go to heaven. Right. Well, that's not the goal. So... I'm going to suggest many of our decisions are similar. Mm. We're not always choosing between that's a really bad idea and here's a good one. Yeah, that's very rare. Like, I don't rarely have, is this a good choice or a bad choice? It's like, which of these five choices is the best choice? Now, and sometimes we know something's bad and we want to do it anyway. But at that (laughs) point, we're not really talking about what's going to honor God. That's a different conversation. Yes. So how do I do that? Well, it's going to take discernment, wisdom. And I really have to know my goal, my purpose, my priorities if I'm going to make those kinds of decisions exactly, and not do a good thing because it's not the best Mm -hmm. thing. And Christ, of course, was the perfect example of this. He didn't do everything he could have done. When he left a village, not every sick person was healed. People continued to die. He had the power to heal, but he used it for God's glory and purposes. And we're going to have to recognize the same thing. Mm. Just because God's given me a skill or ability, it doesn't mean I always exercise it. That's really helpful. And it's really helpful that Jesus was the one that lived that way so we can see his example. Yes, yes. He didn't do everything other people wanted him to do. In John 6, 14 to 15, the people say they want to make him king right then. Mm. And what it says he did, withdrew away from them. Mm -hmm. He was so focused on doing only what God wanted that he was able to say no to things that were not part of that Mm. plan. Oh, that we could be that discerning. And that's my prayer is that it wouldn't be, no, I don't want to do it Mm -hmm. or yes, I want to do it. But how does that fit with the purposes that God's given me? He did what God, his father wanted him Mm. to do. And in John, we also see lots and lots of times when he didn't do anything except for what God the Father wanted him to do. It was his locus of control in his decision-making. Yes, yes. And he knew what that was. Yeah. We're going to have to spend time with God and in his word Mm. if we're going to be able to grow in that wisdom. And I do believe that's part of why we have community, Mm -hmm. people around us. Do you have people in your life that aren't looking for ways to help you be lazy, but that they might look at you and say, can you help me Mm. with how that fits with your priorities? Or there are things you can be doing and you're not doing. Right. We need those people in our life because the ultimate challenge for us is to be confident of what God wants us to do and then to rest only in doing those things. That's helpful. None of us has arrived. It's an ongoing process. Some of you are wishing that I had said, here's the three and you'll Mm -hmm. always know. But I do believe if we look at those priorities, Mm -hmm. we're spending time with the Lord. And we're aware of our own idolatry. Mm. If I know I tend to be lazy, then I don't let myself off the hook just because I'm tired. 
I say, is this possibly being impacted by what I know? Mm -hmm. Who in my life knows my sin tendencies enough that I could say to them, I've been asked to do this. Can you help me think it through? Mm -hmm. What are my priorities? How would that affect my other priorities? Is there something lower that I could give up Right. that I don't need to be doing? Mm -hmm. So these are not one and done, but I have found these to really help me to structure my life and to continue to restructure it and on an ongoing basis. They're so practical. I learned the biblical priorities concept probably more than a decade ago, two decades ago probably, but it still shapes the way that I make decisions almost on a daily basis. Like, should I do this or not do this? Neither of them was inherently sinful, but one was wiser than the other. Right. Should I choose this or should I, should I choose that? Or who should have my attention right now or my focus? So it's been a really important kind of structure to form my life around for a lot of years. Yeah. And it's very, very practical. I hope that women will find that helpful. We're going to list in our show notes, Bev Moore at our church taught a class in our Women's Foundation series on priorities mm -hmm. that will also be helpful to you if you want to watch that. There's also a book called Decisions, Decisions. I love that book. I thought it was very helpful. Yeah. So a couple of other resources as you're thinking through that. I have not finished, but have heard about Kevin DeYoung's book, Crazy, Crazy busy. busy. I've heard so much about yes, that book. I would recommend that yeah. one as well because I heard a synopsis of it. Have not <laughs> had time to read it, but that would be another yeah. one that we will add in our show notes as well. Okay, ladies, as we promised, this is our third quarter memory verse, and I am excited for this passage. This one's a little bit different. What we've done is take Psalm 90, and we've got six different verses within Psalm 90 that we're going to memorize as a passage. The verses are verse 2, 5, 10, 12, 14, and 17. We will have a document in our show notes that have those verses all together as our passage, but especially as we're talking about how we're going to use our time, we loved this passage. Jocelyn, can you read that for us? Sure. I'm reading this in the NLT. This is Psalm 90. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from beginning to end, you are God. You sweep people away like dreams that disappear. They are like grass that springs up in the morning. Seventy years are given to us. Some even live to eighty. But even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear and we fly away. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love so we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. I love this passage, and I have this written down for myself already. And I wrote a prayer to go with it that helps me when my priorities are not what we've just said, but instead my priorities can be about myself. Mm. And here's the prayer that goes along with those verses for me. I sinfully want to be remembered, appreciated, and seen. I want others to notice what I've done and praise it. There is such freedom in remembering that we will soon disappear and won't be remembered, mm. but God remains. Whatever I do that will draw attention to him will last, even if no one remembers that I did it. And that is freedom. I beg God to help me be satisfied each morning with his hesed that will bring me joy to the end of my life, and then for his grace to make my efforts successful for his mm. glory. Thank you that what I do really matters. 
in a far bigger way than being remembered. I hope that will be a help to you as well as you look at your priorities, and I hope you'll join us again for our next episode. To keep from missing any future episodes, please sign up for our newsletter on our webpage, joyfuljourneypod.com. From there, you can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Google, or Spotify. You can also visit us on our Facebook page or Instagram at Joyful Journey Podcast. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can also email us at joyfuljourneyquestions at outlook.com. Joyful Journey Podcast is a ministry of Faith Bible Seminary. All proceeds go to offset costs of this podcast and toward scholarships for women to receive their MABC through Faith Bible Seminary.